Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry, presents the Cavalcade of America. Tonight's star, Brian Donlevy. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade, starring Brian Donlevy, is called Greeley of the Tribune. Mr. Donlevy portrays Horace Greeley in a little-known and human story about that colorful figure who towered over American journalism in the 19th century. As editor of the New York Tribune, Horace Greeley's sayings, innovations, and provocative eccentricities made him one of America's favorite folk characters. We begin our story in 1843 in his office. Whatever you tell me, Mr. Jenkins, I shall remember as deathless prose. Now, please go. I have work. But, Mr. Greeley, how about the money you owe me for newsprint? I've made a note of it. Good day. Aren't we even going to talk about when you pay me? Don't be vulgar. Uh, Mr. Jenkins, on your way out, please tell Mr. Raymond and Mr. Snow that I want to see them. You might also say that I'm angry. Yes, sir. I just don't understand it. Before I come here, I always know what I want to say, and somehow I just never get to say it. I pity you, Jenkins, from the bottom of my heart. Well, if you pity me, Mr. Greeley, what about the money? Patience, Mr. Jenkins. Patience is a virtue, a great virtue. Yes, yes, I suppose that's true. That's very true. Well, I always learn a little something when I come here. Uh, Good day, Mr. Greeley. Good day, Mr. Jenkins. That you, Raymond? No, sir. It's me, Willie. I brought your buttermilk and grain crackers. Well, put it right down on the desk. Where on the desk? Hmm? Oh, just throw the papers on the floor. They don't matter. Nothing matters. You're in trouble, sir, ain't you? I am. And don't say ain't. I'm selling more papers, Mr. Greeley. I can yell as good as any paper seller in New York. I'm sure of it, Willie. Some uh, buttermilk? No, thank you. Is it money, sir? It's money, Willie. And it's more. Boy, do you know what my difficulty is? Uh-uh. I'm pompous. My newspaper is pompous. I write editorials about highfalutin things. I publish stories about events in 
Asia and Africa. I go abroad when I should stay home. You're a fool. I'm not fooling. I'll tell you what I've learned. Now, you take any average human being. Yes, sir. The subject of deepest interest to an average human being is himself. Now, next to himself, his wife, his children, his neighbors. You'll learn that, Willie. Oh, that's easy. Don't be foolish. That's hard to learn and harder to practice. From now on, though, there isn't going to be a new church opened or a saloon burned down that we won't notice. And I can help? Of course you can, Willie. And you can help right now by telling Mr. Raymond and Mr. Snow that if they don't show up in five minutes, they're fired. Is uh, this the item you're referring to, sir? Yes, Mr. Snow, that's the item. Why did that item appear in James Gordon Bennett's Herald and not in our own Tribune? Well, I suppose it's... No because... because is why. You're a reporter. Why? Well, don't ask me, sir. Ask Henry Raymond. All right. Mr. Raymond, why does Mr. Bennett beat us with the news? That's simple. He's got more reporters. More? You mean better reporters, don't you? That's a matter of opinion. Whose opinion? Yours or the public's? Mr. Greeley, I'll be spoken to with civility. Never mind the civility. How about a little truth? The truth is that my creditors are numerous. The truth is that my reporters are stodgy. The truth is that James Gordon Bennett sells two copies of the Herald for every copy we sell of the Tribune. Why? Let's learn from Mr. Bennett. He can teach us a few things. Sure. But if you ask me, Bennett's paper's filled with trash. His mind's in the street. Why not? He finds news there. A street corner accident. The story of a lost child. The feeling of an immigrant on first setting foot in America. Raymond, I give you two pieces of advice. First... Never underestimate the people you don't like. Second, if you can't beat your competitor, learn from him. Here, here. Don't try to be sarcastic with me. I don't like it. You can always fire me. Not yet. You're still the best reporter in New York, and the day you're second best, I'll fire you. Now, what to do, gentlemen? Mr. Snow, have you any ideas? No, I wish I had. For every reporter you employ, Bennett employs ten. If Washington newspapers arrive late, we have no Washington news. Bennett can afford to have his own staff in Washington. We can't. He never runs out of news. Well, let's not whine about it. Have we any ideas? Well, that's what I thought. All right, gentlemen. If we can't print fresh news, at least we can do a little for the public by printing news accurately, without typographical errors. Now, excuse me. I'm going to the composing room and have a little talk with our esteemed Thomas Richards. Mr. Greeley, the very person I want to see. Look here. According to the New York Sun, you are, I quote, a miscreant, a blockhead, and a large New England squash, unquote. Wipe your chin, Mr. Richards. You drool. According to the courier, quote, Horace Greeley wears a hat double the size of his inflated head. Never mind the courier. Let's talk about the Tribune. Do you or do you not employ proofreaders? Who has anything to say about my proofreaders? I do. Plenty. Wait a minute. What's that vile, foul, filthy, poisonous thing in your hand? My pipe. Well, lose it. It isn't lit. It's dead. Then take it out and give it a Christian burial. Wonderful to see you in such good humor. Thomas Richards, 
You drink, you swear, you vote the Democratic ticket. Aren't you afraid of eternal damnation? No. I'm afraid you're not going to pay me the back wages you owe me. What if your Aunt Harriet heard about your carryings-on down here? My Aunt Harriet is way up in New Hampshire, where she belongs. Besides, when she got me my job with you, she didn't hire herself on as my chaperone. I promised her I'd look after you. You also promised me my back wages. Let's uh, talk about my back wages. Mr. Richards, patience is a great virtue. For you or for me? Tom, I've been underestimating you. You've got intelligence. All right, what have I got that you want? Sit down. With you, I'll stand. It's safer. Richards, our problems is to get the news, to get it accurately, completely, and speedily. Speed. That's the main problem. Printing the news first. Now, question. How can we get the news faster than our competitors? Carrier pigeons. Well, not a bad idea. The trouble is it's not a new idea. Our competitors are already using carrier pigeons. Are they now? The little devils. Well, that being so, let us use something faster than a carrier pigeon. Ah, what? Well, that'd be telling. Let's keep it to me. Look, if you have something faster than a carrier pigeon, I want it. Do it, Richards. Do it for the New York Tribune. (laughs) You missed, Richards. Shut up. You're spoiling my aim. Missed again. Thomas Richards, what in heaven's name are you doing? One moment, Mr. Greeley. Missed again. Missed what? The pigeon. Quick, Joe, give me the other gun. Put that gun down. Mr. Greeley, those are the Herald's carrier pigeons. Put down that gun before I brain you. Yeah, but they're going to beat us with the news. Then they're going to beat us. I want to win, but there are some things I won't do. It's only a pigeon. Next week, it might be a horse driven by a Herald reporter. Would you shoot a horse to score a news beat? Huh? Let's be enterprising, but fair. The public needs news, not mayhem. Now, come on, come on. Tell Raymond and Snow that I want them. We've been wasting too much time. We've got to start moving. And I know how and I know where. But what can we do? Not just so the Tribune stays in business, but to push ahead. I don't know. It's certainly going to have to be something spectacular. Yes, you're right. If you'll allow me to be a little stuffy, I'd say it'll have to be something unique in the history of journalism. Talk, talk, talk. Gentlemen, we've had enough of talk. Now we need action. The uh, reason I asked you to come here with such urgency is because three days from now, Daniel Webster delivers a speech at Andover, Massachusetts. What about it, sir? The rumors are that Webster may decide to announce for the president. Well... Whatever Daniel Webster says at Andover, I want it for the first page of the Tribune on the next day. The next day? The next day. How nice. Before any other newspaper in New York carries the story, before the Sun, the Union, the Courier, the Journal of Commerce, the Post, but most of all, before the New York Herald. And I know how to get that story first. You do, Mr. Greeley. I do, Mr. Raymond, I do. Raymond, I am asking you and Richards to be prepared to take the next boat to Boston. That's the same boat the other reporters will be taking. Gentlemen, I have a plan and I ask you not to interrupt. Please listen carefully. The boat to Boston will carry the best newspaper men in the United States. Nevertheless, tomorrow we shall put into motion...
Mr. Greeley, we don't stand a chance. Why not, Mr. Snow? A Bennett has three outstanding men on board. The Sun is two, the Courier two, the Post, every paper in town. It's hopeless. Nonsense. Has Raymond gone aboard? Yeah, a few seconds ago. And Richards? Two hours ago, as per your instructions. Was he observed? He couldn't have been. There was no one here to observe him. Drunk or sober? Today, he's as cold sober as a compositor's stone. And the question is, will he remain that way? He will. I wouldn't be too sure, sir. I would. I've taken out temperance insurance. What? I've engaged a watchdog, a most angular, articulate, and strong-minded watchdog. I, I beg your pardon, sir? Hush, Mr. Snow. Behold, our watchdog approacheth. Ah, Mr. Greeley. My dear Horace Greeley. I'm Harriet. May I introduce my colleague, Mr. Snow? This is Tom Richards and Harriet from New Hampshire. How do you do, man? Mr. Snow. Any colleague of Horace Greeley must be a great man. Oh, fiddlesticks, my dear lady. I'm no great man. There, notice the modesty of a man. His editorials are changing the political and moral climate of America. He's becoming the most popular lecturer on temperance, moderation, and vegetarianism. And he says fiddlesticks. (laughs) Now, where is my nephew? Safe on board. Drunk? Sober. Excellent. It is my firm resolve that he will stay that way. You see, Mr. Snow, I explained the situation to this lady, and she immediately volunteered to keep an eye on her nephew. And so I did. The uh, lady will accompany us to Boston. And so I will. And as far as my nephew is concerned, the only thing that will be wet will be the ocean. (laughs) Mr. Greeley, you're a genius. Thank you. Well, now let us see whether we have enough genius to print Daniel Webster's speech in the Tribune before any other newspaper can publish it. Aunt Harriet, we go on board. After you, Horace Greeley. You are listening to the DuPont Cavalcade of America, starring Brian Donlevy as Horace Greeley in Greeley of the Tribune, sponsored by the DuPont Company, makers of better things for better living through chemistry. Among DuPont's better things for better living through chemistry is nylon. One of the unusual uses for nylon is in medical science. When a blood transfusion or an infusion of blood plasma is given, the liquid is passed through a fine sieve or filter to prevent clotting. This all-important filter is now made of DuPont nylon. Nylon can be steam sterilized, and it is so smooth and tough that there is little chance of a tiny particle breaking off. This medical development is another important example of the service of nylon, one of the DuPont Company's better things for better living through chemistry. It is November 1843. North of Boston, in the Massachusetts village of Andover, Daniel Webster is addressing an immense crowd of 10,000 men and women. Horace Greeley, editor of the New York Tribune, has chosen this event as a test of a new theory of news publishing. Daniel Webster is speaking. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not without considerable reluctance, fellow citizens, that I present myself before this meeting today. It has been my purpose to abstain entirely from public addresses. Mr. Greeley. My dear Raymond, Daniel Webster is speaking. I know it, but he isn't saying very much. A sure sign. Of what? That he has nothing much to say. Now, hush. I appear to be urged with so much earnestness 
that it is not in my yielding nature to withhold assent. Daniel Webster for president! I am not a candidate for any office in the gift of the government. Write that down. Or in the gift of the people. I am a private citizen, and that condition will never be changed by any movement or effort made for that purpose by myself or at my suggestion. That's it. There it is, Raymond. I've got every word, Mr. Greeley. So Daniel Webster is not a candidate for President of the United States. It's important news. Keep scribbling, Raymond. I'm going back to the ship in Boston Harbor. The time has come to see that Aunt Harriet has our printer, Mr. Thomas Richard, locked securely in his cabin. Where's the key, Aunt Harriet? Here, Mr. Greeley, next to my heart. It's quite safe. I'm absolutely sure of it, madam. Greeley, get her to let me out. Think of the Tribune, my dear Richards. It's better this way. I promise to take the pledge. Please believe me. We believe you, Thomas, but there's no point in taking chances. Now, don't worry about him, Mr. Greeley. You get on to Mr. Raymond and see that he starts transcribing his notes. Nephew, it will do you no good to make such an unseemly racket. We are in Boston. Be a gentleman. Well, Raymond, we're underway. Yes, sir. Are you making copy? Trying to. It sure is a pleasure to see you work. Very kind of you. What are the other reporters doing? Oh, taking their ease. Mm, lucky dogs. Don't envy them, Raymond. You are making journalistic history. Don't be too sure. Once they get on to what we're up to, the whole thing is finished. They mustn't get on to what we're up to. Aunt Harriet will carry your copy to Richard every half hour. Now, please lock your door and continue writing. I'm going out on deck for a bit of air. Nice to have you on board, Mr. Greeley. Huh? Oh, yes, thank you. You don't remember me. My name's Clark. I'm employed by the New York Herald. Oh, that's charming. I haven't noticed Mr. Raymond in the salon. Oh, come to think of it, neither have I. And what are you doing on board, Mr. Greeley? Why, the sea air, sir. It's a remedy for dullness, despair, and dejection. And good for competition? My dear sir... Why don't you join some of your friends? I'd rather join Mr. Raymond. Uh, what's he doing in his cabin, Mr. Greeley? Oh, nothing, nothing. Uh, he uh, inclines towards seasickness, poor man. I tried the door of his cabin. It was locked. Too bad. I was anxious to help him. You must be a very good friend of his. And a good friend of yours, Mr. Greeley. I'm anxious to help you. Oh, fine, fine. Well, goodbye. <laughs> You'd be surprised to know how anxious I am to help. Excuse me, madam. I beg your pardon, sir. Kindly take your hands off these papers. What's that you're holding? Copy. What? Copy. I believe I used the word accurately. You got that from Raymond, didn't you? Kindly go away. 
Why are you bringing it down here? To whom and for what reason? I resent your peremptory tone, sir. You are not nice. That tells me just what I want to know. Out of my way, madam. Feel <laughs> <laughs> another here. hand there, won't you? <laughs> sure, yeah. oh, I really got me. <laughs> Clark. Hey, you look as though you'd seen a ghost. I've seen old Tom Richards through the portal of a cabin. Why, you're crazy. What's he doing here? He's got a small printing office set up in his cabin. What? And he's busy setting Daniel Webster's speech into type. No. Yeah. Two hours after this boat docks, the New York Tribune will hit the streets with Daniel Webster's speech. I knew it. I knew Horace Greeley wasn't on board for the ocean breeze. We've been outsmarted. No, we haven't. I know Tom Richards. Good old Tom. He must be dying of thirst. <laughs> Out of my way, please. <laughs> Richards. Tom, can you stand a drink? More water? 100 proof water. You wouldn't deceive a dying man. We brought you a bottle, Tom. Reach your hand out of the porthole. Wonderful. All right, where is it? Right here. Got it? Thomas Richards, uh, drop that. Hey. What happened? Your Aunt Harriet happened. Hey, what's going on? Have no fear, Mr. Greeley. The crisis is over. Oh, 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 look out for the broken glass. I, oh, <laughs> Harriet, dear Harriet, American journalism owes you a great debt. Mr. Greeley, you can't win this one. Can't I? Mr. Clark, Harry Raymond's manuscript is being set up inside this cabin. Word for word, line by line, into nice, cold, accurate, sober type. Columns of type. At 5 a.m. when we land at the battery, that type will be driven to the shop of the Tribune and printed. Now, I realize you reporters are with the opposition. Well, let me warn you. Don't interfere. Driver, those are columns of type you're lifting, not sacks of coal. Yes, I know. Careful, I know. lay it gently in the way. All right, I know what I'm doing. Do what my nephew tells you. Gently, driver, gently. Yeah, oh, please, please, everyone, there's no cause for panic. Uh, uh, driver. Yes, Mr. Greeley? Things might happen. Be alert. Leave it to me, Mr. Greeley. All right, hold on, everybody. Get up! Mr. Davis, are your forms locked? Forms locked, yes, sir. Then let your steam presses roll. Mr. Greeley, there's some tough-looking characters outside. They might be hired thugs. Davis, bolt every door, lock your windows, fasten your shutters. This edition is going to be printed, distributed, and not forgotten.
Hmm? Well, they're dirtier than usual. They're empty. Every copy sold. Every single copy. Well, <laughs> uh, will you join me in a glass of buttermilk? No, thank you. And the other papers didn't even dare mention the name of Daniel Webster. They were beaten, and they knew it. The Sun, the Post, the Herald, the whole kit and caboodle. Willie, come here. Yes, sir? Uh, closer. You'll uh, find a towel somewhere under those almanacs and soap and a comb. Wash your face. Comb your hair. Yes, sir. It's been fun, hasn't it? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, but more than fun. Your face is sad. Not sad. Just that I've been thinking how large this business is. How important. I've tried to express what I feel in my own clumsy words. Would you like to hear them? The world's a printing house. Our words and thoughts and deeds are characters of various sizes. Each soul is a composition whose faults the Levites may correct, but heaven revises. Death is a common press from whence being driven, we're gathered sheet by sheet and bound for heaven. Gosh, that's awful good. <laughs> Really, you're pretty serious about the newspaper business, aren't you? Yes, Willie. Because it's the best business in the whole world. Because the function of a newspaper is to open a window upon the world and to tell the truth about the world. And there's nothing more serious and more important than the truth. Horace Greeley was not just a great editor. For millions of Americans, he became an oracle in a time of sweeping American growth. He preached of the New West, of free homesteads, and the rights of ordinary men and women. Today, six towns and villages in western states bear the name of Horace Greeley. These are his monuments. These and our free press. Thanks to Brian Donlevy and the Cavalcade players for tonight's story. Now, here is Bill Hamilton speaking for the DuPont Company. The man who has a pair of rayon slacks and a rayon sports shirt, the woman with rayon dresses hanging in her closet, knows rayon is as smart as it is serviceable. Now, along with other companies, DuPont manufactures two kinds of rayon, viscose and acetate. DuPont also manufactures nylon. Yet... Although each of these fibers is successful, the company has invested many years of research and millions of dollars in developing a new one, Orlon acrylic fiber. And DuPont has still a fifth fiber under development. We call it temporarily Fiber V. Now, this doesn't mean that Orlon is better than nylon, nor will it mean when Fiber V is in commercial production, perhaps a year or two from now, that we think it better than Orlon. You see... It's not a question of being better, not at all. There is no one perfect fiber for all uses. Each has properties which make it right for certain jobs. For thousands of years, 
the human race had to depend on a few fibers from plants and animals. You can count the main ones on the fingers of one hand. Flax, from which linen is made, and wool, cotton, and silk. Then came chemical science. For the first time, it was possible to create fibers with entirely new properties. The whole picture changed. Manufacturers of all the thousands of articles making use of textile fibers, from industrial filter cloths to raincoats, from automobile tires to upholstery fabrics, now see an infinite opportunity ahead to improve old products and develop new ones. They are limited only by the qualities science can provide in engineered fibers. This is the inspiring challenge to DuPont research teams. There are four DuPont fibers now in production. A fifth is almost ready. And a continuing DuPont program of fiber research will make additional contributions to tomorrow's improved fabrics. Contributions in the form of DuPont fibers that are better things for better living through chemistry. Next week, the star of the DuPont Cavalcade will be Lee Bowman. Our play, Fiber 66, tells the fascinating story of a great chemical discovery and of the men and research that made it possible. Be sure to listen. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade was written by Morton Wishingrad and was based on an incident in Horace Greeley, Voice of the People, by William H. Hale, published by Harper's. Music was composed by Arden Cornwell and conducted by Donald Voorhees. The program was directed by John Zoller. Since 1910, the Boy Scouts of America have rendered a distinguished public service. This is Boy Scout Week. We join the nation in saluting this great organization of American youth. Don't forget next week, Lee Bowman. The Cavalcade of America comes to you from the stage of the Belasco Theater in New York and is sponsored by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry. Daddy and Baby Snooks create some more havoc. Hear them on NBC.